This is Geek 4, a podcast about fans, fandom, and fan culture. I'm Dr. Michael Boyce. Everyone likes something, but what are you a geek for? Emily Strand wears many hats. Author, teacher, scholar, liturgist, singer-songwriter, and podcaster. She teaches comparative religions and cultural competency to nursing students at Mount Carmel College in Ohio. She writes and speaks on religious and spiritual themes in a wide range of popular fiction, film, and television. She is one of the talking heads, along with me, in a recent documentary, The Science Fiction Makers. She writes about pastoral liturgy and popular culture on her blog, liturgyandlife.com. She also co-hosts an academic Harry Potter podcast, Potterversity, and it's her love of Harry Potter that we're going to talk about today. Emily, welcome to Geek 4. Thank you so much for doing this. Thanks for having me, Michael. This is really exciting. This is exciting. I like talking to smart people about fun stuff, and Harry Potter definitely fits that. It's a good combination. Yes, it's I great, agree. It's, well, it takes place in a school, so they're all smart people. How did you get into Harry Potter? Well, I came to Harry Potter as an adult. I am too old to have grown up with Harry. So I was in graduate school, actually, and I had heard some of the hype around the books, but I was like very anti hype back then. So I was not looking at things that were hyped. Uh, I was reading, you know, old books on the history of the liturgy. And, but a, a fellow student who's now one of my best friends, Kukwa, gave me the first three books at our first um, semester break. And we had read so many dense uh, books of theology that semester that she said, here, you need this. It's like a, it's like brain candy. You'll just fly through these books. It'll be great. And I hadn't, I hadn't even pleasure read for so long because of school and because of just being busy. And, and I did, I just devoured them. And I also knew that the films were coming out. The films were starting to come out at that point. So I always love a good British film. And I decided to just devour them in that sense. And I did, I, I really loved them. I, I, I would not say that I was um, an obsessive fan at that point. Um, that took a few years, but, uh, but I, did, I did really enjoy those. So I could kind of catch up with everybody else at that point. It's interesting. It's, I, I, we have very similar experiences. I was, I was in a PhD and I remember talking to my advisor's wife who was teaching a course on children's literature. And she said, oh, I'm teaching this book called Harry Potter. It's the first time I'd ever heard of it. And it was that summer. I was like, oh, I should read these. And I actually, I got them out of the library and I couldn't get the first book. So I had to start with book two. And I read book <laughs> two, three, and one. And I think if I'd read them in the proper order, I don't think I would have, I don't think I would have stuck with them. Oh, really? Yeah. Going back and reading one after reading three, it's like, oh, this is very juvenile. Yeah. Yeah. One starts strangely. It really yeah. does. I, I, I've grown to see the, the delightfulness of it, but it does, it starts in Vernon Dursley's point of view, which is very odd, you know, and then, and we never get back to Vernon Dursley's point of view. Nor should we. Yeah. And there's this big information dump, you know, in it where, you know, we hear all this stuff about, you know, his, his dead uh, sister and brother-in-law and stuff like that. And we're like, what, you know, so, so for a kid's book, especially, and for a fantasy book, it starts very strangely. So that's interesting that, that you started with Chamber. Well, and, and three is where she really starts to get, I, I think her world building kind of picks up in three and mm. the story gets more complicated. and It the, darkens. Yeah, it really darkens and the stakes get a lot higher. Yeah. What was it that, that drew you in? Like, what was it that, that kind of caught your attention? Like, I'm really liking these. Well, I do, I do love the Britishness of the books. I have long been an Anglophile. I always say uh, Shakespeare was my Harry Potter before Harry Potter. Um, 
And uh, so I loved that immediately. Um, and I, I guess, you know, I was studying theology at the time and I was looking for a break from that. And I didn't get a break from that, to be honest, in Harry Potter, because there's a lot of Christian imagery and there's a lot of religious themes mm -hmm. in Harry Potter. And I think that I was, though, enjoying those under the surface before I even was able to sort of articulate their presence there or point them out to anybody else. I think I was definitely um, feeling that that was a comfortable place for me and for my imagination. And maybe not comfortable, but satisfying, you know, mm -hmm. a satisfying place, mm -hmm. you know, to hear um, at the end, you know, Dumbledore's affirmations of Harry, you know, and, and the the power of love that he had even in his fingertips and and how that really triumphs over the bad guy. And it even triumphs over death. You know, it, it, it even triumphs over that separation that is between those we've lost and ourselves. Um, and, and I think that that was just kind of reinforcing everything that I was studying and, and I didn't realize it yet. <laughs> so you said you, you weren't a super fan. I, that wasn't your word, but you weren't really into after the, the, the three books. Where does the transition to a much deeper fandom where you're writing articles and you're hosting a podcast, Harry Potter has become part of your world. It, oh yeah, big time. Um, well, that that is a funny story and an interesting transition. Um, I probably got uh, really deeply invested in the books after I read book four. I think that was the last one that was out, you know, that the last one I didn't have to wait for, you know? And so, so it took me a while to get to it. But then when I got to it, I remember reading the ending in the apart, in the bedroom of the apartment I was, I was living in at the time. And I just remember like being so freaked out and, and, and I'm like looking at this book going, this is a kid's book. Like what is, what is happening to me? I'm like an adult. And, but it was so, um, it was so dark. And, and that, you know, the graveyard scene in book four, I've, you know, I've come to kind of understand it as really a, an inverted liturgy. You know, it's a, it's an evil liturgy. It's a, it's a, like a, John Granger calls it a black mass, you know, which is really an interesting way to think about it. And so it was pushing all of my, my buttons, you know, in terms of rituals, what I study and what I do. And, and I like to think I, I do the opposite version of it though. Um, <laughs> uh, at least I try. Um, but so I think after that, I got really deeply invested in terms of like I had the book as soon as it came out. Um, and, you know, uh, the way I got into the podcasting was I, I became a podcast listener because everybody, you know, a lot of people I knew were reading the books, but they weren't um, thinking about them and talking about them kind of in the way that I was hoping for in terms of the depth of the conversation, you know. Um, so. So I started listening to podcasts, and I think I listened to Pottercast and um, MuggleNet's. Uh, they had MuggleNet Academia. Um, I'm not sure if that was in those days, but within a couple years, MuggleNet Academia came out. And then Harry Potter actually led me to Tolkien. And so because I had heard, I was hearing Harry Potter people on these podcasts talking about Tolkien, I was like, well, you know, I've, I know about those books, but I've never read them and I should give them a try. My In my family, we didn't grow up reading fantasy, really. Um, probably the closest thing we got, I was thinking about this, 
the other day was Fantasy Island. We would watch Fantasy Island as a family <laughs> with Ricardo Montalban. Ah. Um, the, the plane, the plane, boss, the plane. <laughs> I just discovered Ricardo Montalban in uh, Star Trek, <laughs> and I'm a, a big fan. Yes, <laughs> so, yes. Um, so, could, so he I could was button thinking, that shirt up, though. I'm just saying, just you know, <laughs> it's really fine the way it is. You just you just leave that gold chemise alone right there. Um, so, so, uh. So yeah, so I dove into Tolkien and then I found Corey Olson's podcast, uh, The Tolkien Professor, which morphed into a university somehow, um, <laughs> which I'm now a part of. But but what happened um, was that I was listening to these podcasts and I was kind of involved as a listener. I would be running on the track, listening to podcasts and shouting my part of the conversation, you know, for no one to hear but the people at the gym who thought I was crazy. And um, then I took a class at Signum, Signum University, which is the university founded by Corey Olson um, from Dr. Amy Sturgis, who's now a very good friend of mine. And um, it was her Harry Potter class mm. and um, taking Harry seriously. I think that's what what it was called. And so I wrote a paper for her class. My final paper was on Quidditch um, because, you know, people were complaining about Quidditch as a sport. Um, and I, yeah, there's a lot to complain about with regard to Quidditch as a sport. And I was always like, guys, guys, Quidditch really works better on a level of symbols. And they were like, what are you talking about? So I wrote it all into my paper. And then that got recommended for publication in Harry Potter for Nerds 2. And then I found out about the Chestnut Hill Harry Potter Conference every fall in Chestnut Hill, um, Pennsylvania, at Chestnut Hill College. And I uh, signed up to present at that. And I met John Granger. And I met Katie McDaniel. And I met all these people. And then all of a sudden, I was kind of in the mix of the podcasting. So I, it was really kind of a rapid transition. It took a few years, really. Mm -hmm. But it was really kind of a rapid transition from listener to, and I'm still a listener, but listener to um, guest and then to co-host eventually. So it was really kind of neat because all those all those days of screaming at the podcast around the track ended up paying off. <laughs> now I get to scream into the mic. Yes, you, you don't scream, but you know. <laughs> But, I screamed at the gym. I really okay. did. Well, uh, well understandable. Um, it was awkward. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you were the talk of the gym. <laughs> you said you didn't grow up in a family where science fiction fantasy was part of the 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 the, the, the texts that were that were um, looked at. But I mean, from Harry Potter, like you're also you also work on Star Wars and Star Trek and. How wrapped up are these interests? Like, does Harry Potter lead to that? Or like, how'd you get into the other um, stuff? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Harry Potter was certainly a fantasy and science fiction gateway for me. Um, I mean, I grew up reading classics. Uh, I love Jane Austen and I love the Brontes. Oh, I love the Brontes. So, so there's, in a sense, there is a lot of world building you know, in those texts as well that, you know, somebody from my historical period can really appreciate, but not the fantasy element. Although there's, I would like to think there's a little bit of that in the Brontes. Um, Wuthering Heights definitely is a ghost oh, story. Oh, oof, yeah. <laughs> Woo anyway, um, so, so yeah, I, um, I, I, when I, after I read Harry Potter, like I said, it led me to Tolkien. Mm -hmm. And then I think what happened is that I just started appreciating these fandoms and these universes and the community that goes along with um, being part of that. And especially 
with the internet, you know, it was all kind of a perfect a perfect storm to suck me right in because, you know, with the internet, you don't have to find the person who's in your real world life, you know, your material world life, you can just connect with these people based on your interests. And I, I mean, these are some of the people that are just most important to me now, just mm -hmm. wonderful, wonderful friends that I see in person and and, and online. Um, so, so I think, you know, Star Wars, another course was going to be offered at Signum U. Um, and it was going to be the force of Star Wars. I, at that time, it was being offered in conjunction with the release of the prequel. So the mm -hmm. course was in fall of 2015 and taught by Amy Sturgis again. And I was just like, hey, I've always wanted to get into Star Wars. I don't speak that language. I miss the, the films growing up. I, I just want to speak that language. Um, I remember when I had my son, I, when I found out he, he was going to be a boy, I had this weird feeling that he was going to be a girl. So I was kind of like broadsided when they were like, it's a boy. And I was like, whoa, hold on. And, th and then I thought, Star Wars. And I have no idea why I thought Star Wars in that moment because I wasn't into Star Wars yet. Mm -hmm. So so I, I was kind of like, it was on my bucket list. And um, so I got I got right into to Star Wars after that. And boy, whoo, whoo, yikes. <laughs> That's been an obsession to end all obsessions. So... The, the the similarities between Star Wars fandom and Harry Potter fandom they are they are texts that draw people in that have lots of space for people to find an identity and and grab onto an aspect of of the of the world it makes perfect sense to me yeah I, I mean there's a huge crossover with the the treatment of transcendent reality and what what the the way the themes um, pit this understanding of the world where shared transcendent reality is the most important thing and the best thing one can do is to share this transcendent understanding of the world with other people versus a life of pure materialism mm -hmm. you know and a, a this world only approach um and and i think that's a really important thing that draws them them both together and and definitely makes for great cro crossover conversations the big question that I have in this conversation that kind of at the back of my mind keeps moving forward as we as we talk, and I'm curious because I'll bet you thought a lot about it. What is it about the world of Harry Potter that does this, that grabs people on? I mean, I'm to, to preface my question, standard academic, I, it's more of a statement than a question. I was in um, Portugal where apparently Rowling wrote the first draft of, or started writing the draft. There's this bookstore that you know, with this staircase that kind of goes up both sides, it's supposed to be the the inspiration for the moving staircases. It's it's hmm. great and beautiful, and people lined up outside this bookstore because it has this connection, you know, apocryphal or not, with 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 Harry Potter. Um, when the last book came out, I was in downtown Toronto, and there were lineups down the street of children wearing black robes with with wands waiting to get the book. What is it about these stories that captures people's imaginations in a way that they are willing to not only absorb the texts, but actually make it part of their lives? Hmm. Yeah, um, I, that's a, I think it's a, a great question. And I would imagine that there are a lot of possible right answers <laughs> to the question. But I, I, will, I will say, I think, you know, Rowling's... Um, Fantasy is embedded fantasy. So some people call that low fantasy. I prefer the term embedded fantasy, which is where the magic is accessible in our world. You know, there is a portal kind of to it, but 
it's not really 100% necessary. You know, I mean, y y you can, you know, Diagon Alley is, it's right there. You know, you have to tap the right brick, but then you're in and you can bring a muggle in there. It doesn't matter. You know, you can slip in, you can accidentally end up in there as a muggle. You know, you might have to have your memory modified, but it's embedded in our world. And I think that's really attractive mm -hmm. to people because, you know, I mean, I always say, you know, Tolkien's world is a, an earlier age that we can't obviously access without, you know, um, uh, a TARDIS, you know, <laughs> or something um, to bring in another fandom. There's a but, crossover I want to see. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but then, and then, you know, Narnia, you know, <laughs> you have to be in the right wardrobe at the right time, you know, to get to Narnia. And um, even then, sometimes it doesn't work. So, so those are separate worlds, and I think Rowling is really onto something, because and it's for me as a Catholic sacramental theologian and practitioner, I it's a it's such a gift because I can explain the sacramental principle to people, which basically says the whole material world is offering you a glimpse of the divine life if you've got eyes to see it. You know, everything in the material world wants to tell you about the god who created it you know mm. and and you just have to learn to recognize that you have to kind of put on the right pair of glasses to recognize that and so for harry potter it's it's just a wonderful illustration of that same truth you know that magic is real and true in the world of harry potter but not everybody recognizes it not mm. everybody's got the eyes to see that mm -hmm. um and you know how many times does jesus say in the gospels you know those who have ears ought to hear <laughs> You know, he's not saying everybody can hear this. You know, he's saying those who have ears, which is everybody, ought to hear, you know, but they don't, right? And so and so there's this there's this interesting, you know, dynamic with the muggles. And it's, you know, the muggles don't, you know, they they can't do magic, but they can recognize it. And but uh -huh. some of them choose not to. You know, Mr. Dursley, you know, tries to lock magic in a cupboard under the stairs and and you know, it it's it's a it's an interesting contrast in terms mm -hmm. of you know, the life. And we can, in the story, we readers, we don't have to be the muggles. You know, my sister bought me a t-shirt that said muggle one time. And I was like, are you trying to remind me? Like, what's going on? Like, I'm not wearing this t-shirt. This is embarrassing. <laughs> wearing a t-shirt that says muggle. Because um, I take this on the level, level of metaphor. And on the level of metaphor, a muggle is somebody who chooses not to believe in the magic, you know? Yeah, yeah. And yeah, so so I think, I think that's, and we, and nobody, you know, everybody cosplays you know, so many people cosplay their fandoms. And in Harry Potter, nobody cosplays as a muggle. You know, they might cosplay as a wizard who is trying to dress like a muggle. That's always hilarious. Yes, you know? yes. But they don't cosplay as muggles, right? Because we know who we are in the story and it's not muggles. Nobody wants to be a muggle. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Although, maybe, maybe Mr. Weasley. Yeah, yeah. I think the next time I have I'm presented with the opportunity to put cosplay, I have found my costume. Uh, yeah, it's a good one. It's a good one because there's some interesting descriptions in the text. Yeah, of what the, and then you can just go off on your own and yeah. create your own. You know, you can, it, it always work, has to involve like fishing gear. You know, I'm a muggle. <laughs> uh, so, what does your fandom look like now? You have the podcast, presenting papers. What does being a Harry Potter fan mean for you? Yeah, um, so it's been a little complicated recently, um, right? With, um, you know, uh, my friend Amy Sturgis always says uh, that her favorite authors are dead. And, <laughs> um, you know, because then they can't mess things up for you. 
And so that's been a little complicated. And I will, I would definitely say that I have, um, although I still love to write and talk about Harry Potter and I do, I do still love to reread the books and my son and I have read them together and we certainly will again. Um, I don't watch the movies. Um, they mess with my head in terms of what actually happens in the books. Um, and I, I probably gravitate more toward Star Wars these days. Uh, I'm developing a quickly developing a strong obsession with Star Trek um, also. So, so, it's great because I feel like I'll always have Harry Potter, but then when I get frustrated with, with some, you know, because I think some of the the things that um, the author has said, you know, have have spurred people to draw conclusions about the text that I don't necessarily agree with or think are actually present in the text. Um, so when I get frustrated with that whole scene, mm -hmm. um, then I have these other fandoms that I can kind of go to um but i will say so that's kind of my deeper answer but superficially um i've always been a, a something of a harry potter mixologist mm. so i don't know where that comes from i think it my my initial kind of ways of expressing my fandom um in the early days was to throw parties and uh themed around harry potter and expect people to dress up and serve themed food because there's so much food in harry potter it's, it's a very yes. food food oriented text um and uh, food is associated associated with fellowship strongly in the text. And I think that that's oh, probably part of the reason that I gravitated that way. But I would come up with all these drinks. My friends and I would come up with all these drinks inspired by like Harry Potter potions. So so like, for instance, we came up with this sake martini that was pretty well colorless and odorless and really made you tell the truth. So we called it Veritaserum, you know, and so and we would do these, we made a grasshopper, this glowing green grasshopper and called it the Dumbledore because we thought it looked like what he had to drink out of the basin, you know. So so we, we had fun with that. And now on the podcast, um, sometimes we'll have a little segment where I'll do a, uh, we call it like potions, potions class. No, no, we call it um Three broomsticks, something like we call it something. We have a thing that <laughs> yeah, we call name. it. It's a yeah. segment where I get people drunk. It's great. That sounds Harry wonderful. Potter. Wonderful. <laughs> and if you're ever looking for someone to be a guest, <laughs> oh, hey, I like it. I like it. That's awesome. It always amazes me. I mean, the whole this whole pod podcast project that I'm doing is, I love the way people embrace their fandoms. I love it. It's fascinating to me, whether it's, it's dressing curse. up. Yeah. Whether it's wearing a t-shirt that says muggle, that's the kind of wink, <laughs> wink, nudge, nudge to people who are in the know, or this deeper, more uh, involved making drinks. It fascinates me how people play out their fandoms Yeah, or live yeah. out their fandoms. Yeah, both. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, the Star Wars stuff is pretty intense. I mean, you know, every time I get like, cause I, I am into sewing, it's kind of a new thing for me. And I, I would love to do some like kind of really top notch Star Wars costuming. And then I look online, I'm like, Hey, I want to start dressing like Boba Fett. Right. Mm -hmm. And then I look online and I'm like, Oh my gosh. Like, Oh my gosh. You know, people are investing not only time, but money and they are putting themselves into these, you know, suits of armor that then their bodies have to conform to this, you know, so they're like on a, an exercise program that's strictly so that they can continue to fit in their TK kit, you know. <laughs> I have so much respect for this. It's a level of obsession. 
I am in awe of. Um, I don't get it, but yeah. I'll happily wear a t-shirt that's, you know, with Darth Vader's face on it. Um, More comfy. Yeah. Or I, I have, I have, a, I have Harry Potter ties. I will wear those. Um, yeah. I've always been the, I'm not, I'm not overly demonstrative in anything. So it's always the subtle, you know, the Doctor Who tie. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, right. th the those little nod. The, the little nod. If yeah. you're in the know, you know. Would you be up for some quick fast four? Sure. All right. I don't know what that is, but I'm okay. ready for it. It is uh, lightning uh, question response. It can be about general geekdom, things that you like, or it could be specifically about Harry Potter. Okay. So keep it short. That's hard for me. This will be a challenge in and of itself. What is the first thing that you would have called yourself a geek for? Liturgy. Slytherin. Misunderstood or... Children who are murderers. <laughs> Mostly misunderstood. What is something that you've gotten into recently? Star Trek. And how is that going? <laughs> uh, it's a, it's a, a quickly creeping obsession. Delightful. One word, con. Con. Oh, I'm assuming Ricardo Montalban, not uh, Benedict Cumberbatch. Um, I, I would be open to both. I'm I'm still working my way through. I'm 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 just I'm I'm an open mind. I'm an, yes. I'm a blank slate with Star Trek. I'm guessing Cumberbatch appeals to your Anglophile um, sure. nature a little bit more than Ricardo sure. Montalban. But yeah, okay. I'm a fan of him and other things. So that's good. Yes, good. Good. Thank you so much for doing this. Where can people find you on social media if they're interested or want to follow along with what you're doing? Thank you for having me. My website is emilystrand.com, spelled how it sounds. My blog is liturgyandlife.com. Um, I'm on Twitter at, oh yeah, at, <laughs> it starts with at, at EKC Strand. Um, our podcast, you can get that anywhere podcasts are found. It's called Potterversity, all one word. Uh, that also has an Instagram page. Also, also has uh, Twitter and Facebook and all that stuff. So, okay. yeah, I hope folks will reach out. I will link to all those in the show notes. Thank you so much. Also, can I just plug our? Um, we've oh, got please. a my colleague Amy Sturgis and I have a call for papers out um, this summer. We're putting together an edited collection on Star Trek and Star Wars. So um, if folks want to, um, that's going to be with Vernon Press. And if folks want to submit to that, they should check out uh, the link pinned to the top of my Twitter feed. That is very exciting. I'm looking forward to that collection, by the way. Me too. All right. Thank you so much for doing this. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining me on Geek 4. You can follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at Geek4Pod or me on Twitter at MWBoyce. If you listen on Apple Podcast, click the subscribe button and consider leaving a five-star review. Be sure to join us next time when we learn what someone else is a geek for. <laughs> <laughs>